From Tritank Experimental Laboratory, this is the Tritank Podcast, where we talk about all things related to innovation in the church. I'm Father Lorenz Labrija. Thank you for joining us. And hello, dear listener. Welcome to the Tritank Podcast. Today on Dinner Church, and joining us for this conversation today is the Reverend John Davis, PhD. John began his ministry. He's first of all, he's a good friend. I, I actually enjoy him as a as a minister. But he, be, he began his ministry track in his life when he was just in high school, leading worship at his home church in Atlanta. He's a veteran youth worker with over 40 years of ministry experience. He has served as a youth pastor at a 10,000-member church in Georgia and at St. Andrews by the Sea Episcopal Church in Destin, Florida. He's also served as the canon for youth ministry at the Diocese of Central Florida. He's a graduate from the Reformed Theological Seminary, where he got his MDiv. He earned his Master of Arts in Anglican Studies from Trinity Episcopal, uh, and he was ordained in the Episcopal Church in the fall of 20, uh, 2001. In 2013, he successfully defended his doctoral dissertation and earned a PhD in theology from Graduate Theological Foundation. He completed his doctoral residency and studies at the University of Oxford Summer Program in Theology. He's also an accomplished musician, worship leader, songwriter, and more importantly to our conversation today, he's the currently working at the staff of Fresh Expressions as a mission strategist and trainer. He is crafting and cultivating Fresh Expressions locally in Oviedo, or which is near Orlando, as well as traveling extensively, training and advocating for this missional movement. It's a wonderful conversation about Dinner Church. Uh, although we will talk about some resources in the program, you will also hear that you have everything you need just from this conversation. It's a little bit longer. It's like 30 minutes uh, rather than our shorter conversations that we normally try to do on the podcast. So, But if you listen to this whole podcast, you will have everything you need uh, to successfully start a dinner church at your congregation, regardless of the size of your congregation or your context. So without further ado, let's do it. And Father John Davis, welcome to the podcast. So glad you could join us today. Yeah, it's great to be with you, Lorenzo. It's uh, it's a joy to always to kind of have conversation with you. And uh, just to begin, for, for people that don't know where you're at, you're in Cedar Key, Florida, right? Part of the time. I mean, I'm a part-time vicar at Christ Episcopal Church in Cedar Key, Florida, and I. Uh, but I also live in Oviedo, which is my. Um, so I commute up there on weekends. It's, it's kind of a good gig in that regard. And it's it, it's it's kind of you know Florida's got good weather, you know. So it, it, it's well. It's, sometimes we're coming up on hurricane season, so you never know. Oh, yeah. But uh, yeah, Cedar Key is an island in the Gulf of Mexico which is really fascinating. But it's also kind of in what they call the nature coast. So it's not real beachy, but it's still water, uh, which, is a, which is a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. And we got to know each other. We, we did a training together, but particularly the organization that you are with is called Fresh Expressions. And anyone who's been to the UK or follows the Church of England has probably heard of Fresh Expressions. But for someone who has never heard of Fresh Expressions, and in particular, the freshest Fresh Expression, which is in the US, tell us about it. Sure. Fresh Expressions is a is a sort of a mission, it's a parachurch ministry, if you will, 
working with churches all across the board, uh, all kinds of denominations, um, everything from Pentecostals and Methodists and Episcopalians and, you know, non-denoms, everyone. So we, we're not, we're not, uh, we'll work with anyone that wants to learn about remaking the mission of the church for a changed world. I think we could all agree that the world has changed, uh, significantly over the last few years. Uh, with uh, the pandemic and COVID and those kinds of things. But even more so, uh, we've been in a, a time um, that where we've mo- made this shift from a Christendom model where Christianity was at the center of culture in the West, and we now are in what we would call post-Christendom. And so yeah. post-Christendom is this era where you know the, the church is kind of pushed to the side a little bit in some ways. And so it's sort of, we need to, I would say it this way, that Christendom models don't really work in a post-Christendom world. And so we need to remake the mission of the church for a post-Christendom world. And part of that is really at the heart of what Fresh Expressions is. It's really helping churches adapt to this new landscape uh, that we find ourselves in, one that is digital, one that is, um, you know, uh, in a sense, has got all these different cultural, social, political things that have gone on. And so we adapt, and how do we how do we really be the church in that kind of environment? And I think you know we talk about a lot about post Christendom, and we might lament some of that, you know that that it wasn't the way it used to be. I found that true in a lot in the Episcopal Church. You know, there are people who are always kind of looking back to the church that was and that they grew up in, <laughs> and they kind of longingly look for that. Well, I think the thing is that we might call it post Christendom, but I think we can also call it pre revival. Because this landscape that we're in looks a lot like the landscape that the Book of Acts uh, uh, had. And so we have an opportunity to, in a sense, to adapt our mission uh, to this changed world in such a way that can reach people with the gospel. And what I like particularly about it is, as you mentioned, is that you work with all churches from all across the spectrum. And But you're an Anglican priest. I'm an Anglican priest, right? We're Episcopalians. And in fact, I'll link in the show notes to an article that you just put out recently about how fresh expressions, it, it, it's, it's authentic in the Anglican sense as well, that doing something in a different way. What I, even the name, right, if you think about it, is not new way of doing it. It's, it's a fresh expression. It's like we're not losing the expression of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're not losing that. It's just a different approach to it, which is, is kind of, as you say, so much needed these days. And no, go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I'm just, uh, you know, part of it, I'll just say it, when, and I do some of this in the article, is that I make, a, um, and this is kind of a, a rabbit trail for me, is that we need a pre-Christendom model in a post-Christendom world. And pre-Christendom is the time of Acts. It's the time of Jesus through uh, Constantine. And uh, so those first 300 years, and I didn't realize until I wrote this article that that's really what happened in the Reformation. The Church of England looked back to pre-Christendom models for its polity, for its ecclesiology, for its worship, and, and implemented those in a new era that the Reformation was. And so in the same way, I think that, that probably I want to do some more research on that, but almost in any one of these sort of eras, the epochs that we find the church in, I think that it probably goes back to those roots and re- rediscovers them afresh. And, uh, and I think that's, that's something for us to consider. And so, I would say it this way, that that this adaptation is part of our DNA in Anglican Episcopal world kind of thing. It should be, and we can we can cultivate that authentically. We're not just sort of, you know, importing it, but we're cultivating something that's very much a part of who we are. 
Excellent. No, the, and and yay then that we're we're exactly where we. Sh- I'm I'm a firm believer that God always gives us what we need, the tools we need, everything we need to do the work we're called to do at any given moment. That rather than sitting there and lamenting like, oh, if only we had the resources of that place or of that church, then we would be someone's like, no, no, no. God has given you everything you need to do the work you're called to do right now. And it's just, and to that, this gets us to the the title of, of this, this month's show is On Dinner Church, because, you know, I go around and I, I travel quite a bit for work and I, t- I tell people, I've, I've looked at the numbers and the net loss divided by the total number of Episcopal churches. If every church, every Episcopal church in the U.S. were to go out and get and just invite one new person to join them per month, not only would we stop the decline of the Episcopal church, mm-hmm. but we would actually be a denomination that's growing. And so one person per month isn't a lot to go out and, and share the good news that we all aspire or say we, we believe, right? So, But people always ask me, like, how do I do it, Lorenzo? How do I do it with everything else? And I'm like, there's got, and then I bumped into, I was, I was starting to read the work that you're all doing. And then I was just fascinated by dinner church. And, and it's, it's, uh, it's, it might've been new to me at the moment when I was reading it, but of course, yet again, it is something table fellowship comes to us from the ancient, you know, primitive church. And so that's what I want us to talk a little bit about today. The, the bulk of our conversation today is about dinner church. How, would you describe dinner church to someone that's never heard? Let's say you and I, all of a sudden, we, two Episcopal priests walk into a bar and have a beer, and I'm like, hey, John, I hear you're into this this uh, dinner church. What is it exactly? Sure. Um, well, we've been doing dinner church for the past year in Cedar Key, just to let you know, and I also coordinate much of the dinner church effort, kind of work with, working with Verlin Fosner, who's kind of the person who crafted or created this and imported it into Fresh Expressions. And I, I look at dinner church sort of as a micro of, of fresh expressions. It's his own little world. And I think, uh, so a dinner church is this, it's people gathering around a table, having conversation, having a meal together and getting to know one another. You know, think about what happens when you have, when you sit down at a table with some folks. I love this in a, in innovation that's taken place recently in culture is when you walk into a Starbucks or you walk into a Panera's or any kind of other restaurant, they now have community tables. I don't know if you've noticed that, no. where people gather around. They have like a large table that seats like eight or ten people, and they don't necessarily know each other, but they sit together. And some are working, some are drinking their coffee, reading, you know, looking at the phones or whatever they're doing. And so, part of the table becomes this safe place for folks to gather. And so, we gather around the table. We have a meal, and one of the elements that we begin to talk about faith. Now. If you read the materials on Dinner Church, we'll talk about a Jesus story and sort of anchoring ourselves, not so much in the propositions of faith, you know, more that might be more Pauline in terms of that, but we anchor ourselves in the stories that, you know, because really the early church, what they did in the book of Acts as they gathered, they told Jesus stories. They said, remember when Jesus did this, and remember when he told us that, and he told us this parable, and and remember when this happened, and he was walking on the water, or, or that woman at the well, whatever the stories are, we tell these stories, and out of that comes faith conversations. And out of that, you know, eventually we begin to explore some discipleship, and then we get to the place where a true community forms around a table. And I think the table is just such a, a safe place for folks to gather. I think that's one of the real advantages. Uh, you know, we've talked a little bit about this is that, 
you know, in a metropolitan, I live in like Oviedo's Orlando. So in a metropolitan city like Orlando, to get an unchurched person to come to your church campus is a really, that's a huge barrier. That's a huge wall in a sense for them to climb. But to say, hey, why don't you come over for dinner? You know, why, or we're having a dinner and we do a lot of the dinner churches that, that are, happen, happen in sort of third places or neutral spaces. They don't happen at a church campus, like a community center, you know, or those kinds of things. And the idea here is that people will come to that. You know, everyone has to eat. And, and I think the other reason why dinner church is such a good uh, model for existing churches is we know how to feed people. We know how to put on a potluck. You know, that's something that's, <laughs> that in our, <laughs> that's in our DNA. That's in our DNA as well. And so, so the thing is, they they can sort of understand that and what can happen around a table. But we bring to that uh, table some gospel and missional intent. You know, it's not just a meal. It's not just fellowship. It becomes a place where we begin to talk about life. We begin to talk about the things that are going on. You know, what's important? Where's our meaning? Where's our purpose? You know, I think. When I, when I look at the world in which we're in and how polarized, how divided we are, how, how we're in a major struggle on so many levels. And I just see a lot of wounded, hurting people. And I think that, that a table is a way to reach them. Um, we did our first dinner church, uh, in, um, it was actually in December of, oh, of 21 in Cedar Key. You know, pandemic kind of kept us away from doing anything, uh, together. But by December of 21, we were okay. And in December in Florida, you could actually do it outside, which we did. And um, we built ours around uh, St. Nicholas Day. And oh. uh, and so it was just kind of themed that way. And I actually had, because we, we had some kids come, and I had a St. Nicholas character come, you know, kind of dress up as St. Nicholas. And the Jesus story was St. Nicholas in the sort of in the first person telling his story. You know, which is a great story. Look them up on Wikipedia or wherever you go and the real Saint Nicholas, the real Saint Nicholas, Nicholas, Nicholas of Myra. Not and and, which (laughs) is also though it was timely because it's a precursor to Santa Claus and all that sort of stuff. But and so here's what happened with that first dinner church: is we have you know our our congregation is pretty small. Our average Sunday attendance is about forty, and um, we uh, we had thirty of us kind of working this dinner church, you know, doing different things. And we set up outside, like I said, because of the pandemic era that we were in. And we had 65 people show up, 35 people from the community that came and were a part of this because we just said, come and have dinner with us. And we're going to talk about Nicholas. And so it wasn't, you know, it wasn't bait and switch. It was authentic. It was real to that moment. And people had a good time. They, they, I love it. You know, a few came early, but a lot of them stayed late. You know, mm. uh, and and just there was a there was a real sweet fellowship around table as people you know uh, talked and 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 you know coming up on Christmas we talked to uh, I talked I did a short little like three minute thing about gifts you know in terms of that just that sort of thing and then our next one once again we had about fifty people show up to it and that was on Epiphany and uh, so once again just telling the story of the wise men you know, which is, uh, that kind of moment. So my thing about dinner church is that it's, that it's something that is accessible for any church to do. That that's not that costly, you know, it really fresh expressions, any fresh expression that doesn't have to cost a lot of money. That's one of the real good things of, about fresh expressions. Is and that's important. Matter. Yeah, it is. I mean, uh, you know, kind of thing, but the, 
other side of it is that that it is highly relational. You know, that's really what drives this is that we're building relationships with people and we're we're doing what Jesus did. It's a ministry of withness. I yep, love that. Totally. Word. Withness. Yeah, being with people. Being with people. If you think about it, I love to read the gospels as a from person to person story. From Nicodemus to the woman at the well to the Roman centurion to the to Zacchaeus to some maybe don't turn out the way we want, like the rich young ruler mm. or this uh, you know kind of thing. But but the thing is, it's it's Jesus is with people, and I love the story of Nicodemus. I'm not Nicodemus. Well, I'd love that story too. But I, the story <laughs> of Zacchaeus is what I was going for. Zacchaeus is all we know is that Jesus says, "I'm coming to your house today," and Jesus goes, and guess what? He sits around table. With yeah. Zacchaeus. And the next thing that happens is Zacchaeus sort of stands up and says, Hey, I've been a scoundrel. You know, I've betrayed people, I've hurt people. And if I've done anything to anyone, I'm ready to fix it times four, you know, in terms of that. And just by being in the presence of Jesus, Zacchaeus's life has changed. Yeah, it's a I transformation. Yes, yeah, so very much a transformation. And what happens, I think, is in, and now Jesus chooses to incarnate himself in us in his church. And so we become the means of, of that presence of the Lord working in us and through us, and especially in the community of faith as the body of Christ gathers. And um, so, you know, one of my, one another way to describe fresh expressions in dinner church is that there are third places of culture, you know, third places where people gather. And um, I very much love Celtic spirituality. And Celtic spirituality talks about thin place, and thin place is the place where the distance between heaven and earth gets very thin. And uh, so here's the mission of the church, I think, a way to understand it for us, especially in an Anglican tradition. We, we want to see third places of culture become thin places of encounter. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, and I, I just think it's really a, a, that, that sort of capsulizes it for me. Is that so that when I go to Starbucks or when I go to, uh, you know, a restaurant or when I go to the park or wherever I'm going, you know, and that's really a better translation of uh, the Great Commission. You know, I used to kind of think the the imperative in the Great Commission was go. And it's really not. The the imperative is to make disciples. Mm. But and if you really get into the Greek and translate it, it's as we are going, as we're going to work, as we're going to the market, as we're going to, you know. In wherever our day-to-day going, life. Day-to-day, you know, wherever we're going, as we are going, we're to make disciples. And I think that I recognize that opportunity. Um, so one of my favorite things to do is at restaurants with whoever's serving me, you know, uh, like whoever the waiter or waitress is that's there. And I'll just lots of times say to him, hey, and then once again, this is kind of around the table, and I'll, this will you'll like this part, I think, Lorenzo. They, um, I'll say to him, hey, we're going to pray in just a minute. Is there anything we could pray for you about? And they'll go, a lot of them will kind of pass it off, you know, say, oh, no, no, I'm fine. Thank you very much. You know, because they, they're still going to be nice because they want a tip uh, in terms <laughs> of that. But some of them actually will say, no, pray for me. I've got this going on or I've, yeah. you know, my mother's sick or that sort of thing. And so we'll pray um, and so we'll do that. And then as we're coming to the prayer, if they're close by, I'll say, hey, we're going to pray. Do you want to join us? And maybe a third of the time they do, you know, in terms of join us in that prayer. And that's what is amazing to me is it's it's really simple. I think we've made the gospel or we talk about, you know, evangelism and discipleship and there are these big formal words and programs that are out there. 
And I think it's really just being with people, loving them like Jesus loves them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Caring for them. You know, those kinds of things. I, I, I completely agree on that. And so let's let's get practical here. Uh, okay. you, you've mentioned it doesn't sound like in Cedar Key you're doing it every month or every week. How often are you all doing we, dinner church? I, I would say in 22, we did about eight of them and about once a month, kind of once okay. a month. And then summers are kind of light for us. Okay. And also, it's, it's hot. And we were it's, people were still a little uh, timid about indoor stuff in 22. Um but, so but, if somebody wants to do it, how often sure. would you re- recommend that they do something? I think well, I think you start. First of all, I would say this. A lot of it's going to be context uh, in terms of that. So you really need to Makes understand sense. your situation and your demographic, your context in which you're doing this ministry. But I would, I would shoot for once a month. We're actually getting ready to launch a number of uh, di- uh, meals, not just dinners, uh, a breakfast, uh, community breakfast. We're looking at doing, um, we're doing a senior lunch. And that was actually a government program that we that we hosted before pandemic. It's coming back to us and we're going to breathe into that, this idea of dinner church. So, but um, some of these will be weekly. Some of them are uh, once a month, you know, okay. in terms of that. So it, it, it once again, varies on context and who your, uh, who your, uh, who your people are that you're gathering. And I'm and I'm and to that point, I'm guessing you have a team that helps you do the potluck from the church. You have people within the church, but how do you get people from outside the church to to join you? You mentioned some great numbers of people that have joined you from the community. How do you get people to join? Well, I think part of it is there's there's an invitation that goes out, and that's uh, you know in Cedar Key it's different. You know, when I got to the church in Cedar Key, it didn't have a website, and that was you know twenty. <laughs> Uh, 2020, it didn't have a website. And so uh, there it's very much, you know, you hang flyers and actually people read the flyers and they come and they show up and, and there's a buzz that happens. So there's a, in kind of Cedar Key because it's so small and everyone kind of knows what's going on. And so when the, especially when there's something to do that appears to have some fun, people want to show up for it. So it was easier in Cedar Key in that regard. But when I've done it and when I've talked to other folks that are doing dinner church, they basically will throw an invitation in the community. Some of it's flyers, some of it's social media, some of it's, you know, just a variety of things that will sort of get it in front of people. And I think letting them know that, hey, this is, and if you say dinner church, like we call it ours a community dinner. Okay. You know, but if you say dinner church, people are going to know, okay, well, that's got a religious thing and that, you got know. It. But and, but some people call it that, which is fine. I'm not. I'm. I think once again, you have to understand your context. Yeah. If you're in a more unchurched sort of, if you're in on, out west, if you're in Los Angeles, where I'm at, you know, calling a dinner church, you're going to get some people, but they're going to be looking for church, and they're going to be like, "Well, where's the liturgy? Where's the you know?" Right. <laughs> they're going to be more more towards that end. So you, it's it, it's about being hyper local and knowing more or less where people in your community are sort of getting their news, where they're sort of seeing stuff, so that you can get a little buzz going about it. Right. So you put up flyers or stuff, you do invitations, you have a, uh, a folks from the, from the church that are helping you. You're doing it sort of once a month. What does the day of or the evening of sort of look like in the sense of how sure. many hours do you, do you plan it for? Do you do it? What time of the day? Is there a particular best day of the week? Um, well, we do ours mainly because I'm there on the weekend. So we do ours on Sunday evening. Now that's okay. just a, that once has to do with our context of me being part-time. And I'm only there on the weekends. So Sunday evening is when we chose. But a lot of them are Tuesday or Thursday evenings. They sometimes sometimes they'll stay away from Wednesday because that sometimes other churches are doing things on you know Wednesday evenings sometimes. Mm-hmm. Once again, looking at your context. And I think the the format is pretty simple. We gather, um, we say a blessing, you know, at the front. But it's but it's I and I always try and make that a very 
uh, unchurchy sounding prayer. You know, Lord, thanks. <laughs> Lord, you liked it when people got together and, and shared a meal, and I think this makes you happy. So we thank you for this time. Something simple like that. Right. And then um, we eat. And during the dinner, there's conversation. Sometimes we'll have questions, actually, that we'll do during the, the dinner, which is just kind of more sort of 30,000-foot questions, uh, not like, do you know Jesus type questions, but, but the idea of, um, you know, what's really important to you uh, right now, you know, or, you know, those kinds of things. What, what are uh, some of your important values, you know, just general kind of questions about life, that kind of stuff. And then we'll try and relate whatever those questions are to a story, uh, a Jesus story. And, um, and then we'll take, and that is literally like a three minute kind of talk. It's not like we're doing a sermon or, you know, trying to, you know, uh, do what, what church has normally done in those kinds of moments. Mm. And then, um, lots of folks do different things. Sometimes there's, uh, you know, some people will write, will have prayer requests and they'll have cards that they can fill out and do those kinds of things. And they might do that on the front end. And then they'll gather them and they'll just sort of pray over those cards, you know, kind of so. So there's a little bit of liturgy there, some intercessions that take place. Yeah. And um, and then, you know, we say a blessing as we go, you know, kind of thing. And then there's always kind of the invitation. If you want to talk more about this stuff, we're here, you know, so, so and that happens that way. And conversation happens, you know, in, in the midst of that. So that's the relation. It's very, once again, I go to it's very relational. And um, in the same way that Jesus was very relational, going back to that value that I talked about earlier. And do you, uh, where do you all do it? Like where, if, uh, you, you talked about third spaces. What's a good third space? Should it be in the park? Should it be outdoors? Should it, could it be inside in a, in a restaurant on, on a yeah. Monday night when people, you know, restaurants are usually looking for people on a Monday night? Uh, right. I, I don't know that they would give you a space to do a potluck, but what kind of space do you, do you recommend for someone trying it out? I think it once again goes back to context. Sorry to keep sort of bringing that up, but, but no, that's, that's really going to matter. That's really yeah. going to matter. But um, so for us in Cedar Key, the church is uh, our church is a third space. People use it already for other things. We have AA that meets there and, and those kinds of things. So there are things that it's not a, a barrier to get people to come to our campus. So we can do it there. But if I'm talking to other folks, if I'm do if I'm doing this in Oviedo, I actually there are a couple of ways to do it at restaurants. Now you're not going to do potluck. Uh, kind of thing. Uh, but I'll, I'll share one picture with you. There was a dinner church that took place in a Moe's Mexican grill. I don't know if you have those where yeah, you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so Moe's. Uh, and, um, they actually cut a deal with them. They came in at three o'clock. So it's maybe not the best sort of dinner time, mm-hmm. but Moe's wasn't busy at three o'clock and they were glad to get the business. And, um, and so they opened their doors and, and they, you know, let them set up because it's just a round table. There's really no setup. And uh, they went through the line and they bought some, you know, good uh, Tex-Mex kind of seafood uh, uh, food there and um, and had that. And I love this part of it, too. Now, this church had a little bit of means. It doesn't have to be a whole lot. But they had they would give the cashier $150 or maybe $200, whatever they had. And they said, anyone that comes in during this time, their meal is on us. Oh. Up, up to $200, you know, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. And, but not that many are coming in at three o'clock. And so the thing is, those folks would go through the line and they'd say, nope, it's free, uh, to, you know, to the, to the customers that were coming through. And the customers would look and, and they go, how'd that happen? Well, that group over there paid for, paid for your dinner. And, uh, they, so once again, that sort of generosity 
mm-hmm. of spirit and and uh, in those kinds of moments. So that's that's one example of where you could do it. I think community centers uh, are good places. Sometimes apartment uh, complexes have meeting spaces, like a yeah, common muni- community true. space. That might be somewhere you go. I mean, and I, I guess, and I'll say this about the context issue because you and I uh, were part of this, is one of the things that I think that really cues you in on a lot of these uh, questions is to prayer walk, is to prayer walk your community. God, And when we do that, it's like, God, show us who's here. Show us what you're already doing in this community. You know, show us um, the opportunities that are here. And and I think in, in that sort of uh, approach, you can, you can find the answers to a lot of the questions about the how-to. And to be honest, I'll kind of go there is that on the how to is that we offer a lot of training about dinner church. There are books about dinner church that are available through Fresh Expressions. And, um, you know, you can and there's also the uh, there's both Fresh Expressions and I guess both of these you'll put in the notes. Yeah, but Fresh Expressions. But there's also dinnerchurch.com and dinner church has a lot of those resources uh, things on it. And just I'll do a little bit of a plug. We're doing in Orlando in November, a dinner church summit, our first one that we've done that is specifically and on focused on dinner church. And so that will be a good place to come and, and learn and to be with people, practitioners that are doing this work. But even just someone who's heard our conversation today has enough knowledge already to go out and do it, it sounds like. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like I have enough that I could do one right now. Yeah, well, uh, let's do it. And, you know, actually, it's interesting during the pandemic, some of these went digital. Some of the dinner churches moved to a digital format. And so what they would do is I'm I'm thinking more of like a Zoom call. Everyone be around and they would sometimes even uh, you could. And also so they they were like you could come and get uh, a carry out kind of thing, because, you know, this was for a lot of people. This was their fellowship. This was this was their church. This was not something in addition to a Sunday experience. This was their community. One of the stories from this past year is when Hurricane Ian hit Fort Myers so bad, there was a great Methodist church down at Grace Methodist Church that had four different dinner churches running in the various trailer parks that were wiped out. And oh. immediately they pivoted to food trucks coming in and feeding people, but still gathering around, around table. Around the meal, yeah. Be, but be, but ev- where everything was leveled. You know, and so they they were a ministry presence, a, a comforting people in such a tragic moment, and yet feeding them and building fellowship and community in the midst of that. And you know, if we if we consider the fact that you and Cedar Key was able to get, uh, in addition to you had like fifty or whatever number of people show up to your to your dinner church, what percentage would would do you think at some point would like say that I do one and so and and I have certain expectations. I think we all would, right? That at some point they'd be like, Lorenzo, you're such a great priest. I want to go to your church on Sunday. That's not likely to happen to your the point you just made, right? right. To some people, this is gonna be their expression of church and it's gonna be once a month. But some of them will ask to go deeper, right? Some people right. will ask, say, like, I want to become a better disciple or I want to talk more about faith. Uh that does happen, right? Yes, yes, it does. I mean, I think it, we have to sort of think of it rather than, in a sense, putting people through a course or a class. It happens more relationally in this context. And so the thing is, there are those conversations that are that happen, and they are rich and wonderful when they do. And um, I just had a young man come up to who came to some of the dinner church things that we've done in Cedar Key. And he's now he started coming to Sunday morning with us when he can. He works. 
and such like that. And see, that's the other thing is we talk about, you know, we lament the fact that we've had decline. Well, a lot of people can't come to church on that's Sunday right. because they're working, yeah. you know, and so we need to, and, and I think the other thing that I would say is that we ha- we've had dinners, right? We've had fellowships, we've had different kinds of outreaches, things that we've done. We haven't been willing to call it church, especially in our world. You know, church is liturgy and prayer exactly. book and ASA. Formal. ASA yeah. is very important, right? That's right. right. Average Sunday attendance. But exactly. <laughs> but the thing is, we need to be willing to call this a true ecclesia. It is a faith community gathered around a table. And that's the that's the joy of this moment. And that's what I so you know, we we kind of I know hinted at this in a little bit of our emails and things like that. Maybe we need to propose something at the next convention about uh, ASA, and that we got <laughs> we got to do something to count these other expressions of, exactly. of true faith communities that are gathering. Because being with people is, in its truest sense, as Sam Wells says, being in the truest sense closest to what Jesus did for most of his life. Yeah. He was just with people. Yeah. So. Father John Davis, thank you so much for being on the podcast with us today. Uh, for our listeners, uh, you can get links to to uh, freshexpressions.com, to dinnerchurch.com, the Anglican article that Father John wrote. Uh, all of that will be in the show notes, and, and if Father John has other things, uh, I'm sure I'll, I'll link him there as well. But thanks for joining us. Uh, we really appreciate it, and keep up the great work uh, out there in Florida. We really appreciate your work and your ministry. Uh, thank you, Lorenzo, and come see us when you can. I will definitely do that. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe and be sure to leave a review. To learn more about Tritank, visit tritank.org. Be sure to sign up for our monthly newsletter where you can keep up with all of our experiments. The Tritank podcast is a production of Tritank in association with Resonate Media. Tritank is a joint venture between Virginia Theological Seminary and General Theological Seminary. Again, thanks for joining us. I'm Father Lorenzo Labrija. Until next time, may God bless you. Do you have something to say? Are there people who want or need to hear from you? Have you always wanted to start a podcast but don't know where to start? Welcome to Resonate Media, where our mission is to amplify you. At Resonate Media, we focus on helping underrepresented voices and aspiring podcasters get started by providing equipment, expertise, and experience to help you launch a podcast. To get started, visit ResonateMediaPro.com. Don't let the confusion, complications, and costs of posting, recording, editing, and distribution hold you back. The world needs to hear what you have to say. Resonate Media can help your voice be heard.